superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers Podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and I am thrilled to have with me today Emerald Green Forest. We're going to be discussing what men want, purpose, connection, and emotional clarity. Emerald is known as the Empress of Encouragement, and she is the founder and lead visionary of the Creative Age Consulting Group. Emerald Green Forest has an international reputation as an author of seven books, a contributor to another 15, and also as an inspirational speaker, having presented nearly 500 times in eight years on both live and virtual stages. She's the creator and facilitator of Leading Like a Legend, an exclusive invitation-only total immersion retreat for her clients who she calls the men on purpose, the leader who has made their money and now wants to make their mark. I'm so excited to have you with us today, Emerald. I'm so excited to be here, Tatiana. Thank you so much for offering me the platform and also for the great work that you are doing here and serving the audience that is being gathered around sex and power, superpowers, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, offering, and Thank I'm grateful you. to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's big work. It's a big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited for this conversation today, and but I want to dive in and ask you, what are your superpowers? Ooh, I have so many. One of, the, one of the things that I've been doing, actually, Tatiana, recently, I was guided to actually acknowledge my gifts. And um, so I went through a process where I, I actually listed out many of my gifts, both my skills and life experience gifts, as well as my supernatural gifts. And I would say, um, out of all of my superpowers, the one that people most uh, report back to me is my capacity to help people get clarity. I'm a voice of clarity in a sea of confusion. Mm-hmm. And I use my seeing and my knowing, my claircognizance and my clairvoyance uh, in service to that. But, but I've worked with all of my clairs, my clairaudience and my clairsentience to, to exercise all of those muscles. So... My, my greatest superpower, I think, is my connection to my source. Mm. Yeah, well, I think that is the greatest superpower of all. Thank you. That's beautiful. And I, clarity is such a gift. It's such a huge gift because without it, we really we don't know how to move forward. We don't know which direction to go. And so thank you for, for using your gifts in that way to help so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking today about what men want. And, and I want to just speak to an awareness, you know, I'm I'm very aware that here we are two women talking about what men want. Um, And, and I, so I'm just, I'm so curious how you came into your current work of supporting men in this journey. Mm, Great question. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to wind us back for a number of years to before I had a spiritual awakening. And I want to kind of talk culturally about um, my, I'm going to call it my generation of women. My generation of women came into a cultural expectation where we were, um, we were kind of at a bridge point where we were expected to be out in the world 
and working and making money and simultaneously be at home and being, you know, the cook and the housekeeper and all of those things. And so we are a kind of unique generation in that we bridged the worlds between the masculine and the feminine. And, and part of what happened for me, at least, and for many of my contemporaries is many of us became what I would call masculinized women. We were yeah. immersed, immersed in uh, environments where in order to create money um, and, and work, do the work that we were called to do at that time, we immersed ourselves in more purely masculine environments. So for myself, I came in through my, one of my first jobs after I got through with the waitressing uh, in my teen years, one of my first jobs was with a paving company. So I was like one of three women out of the rest of the people were all men. Um, I came in through construction and then I moved from, from the paving company into uh, working in the real estate industry, which was also heavily male. And I was, for most of my life, I was, you know, one of the few, the few handfuls of women in a predominantly masculine environment. And then of course I got married, I, I had a child, I had a son. And so I have a lot of experience personally in, in being in masculine environments. And then when I had my spiritual awakening, a big piece of that was for me to shed some of this masculine armor, the suit that I put on, the, the uh, one uh, man that I used to work with, he he called us boys with breasts, women who were like in the industry that were acting more masculine than feminine, and he would call us boys with breasts. So um, when I went through my spiritual awakening, I I was called to to access more of my feminine side, and did do uh, work for a number of years, pre predominantly with women. And I spent many years helping women find their voice and feel great asking for money. Uh, and how I helped them was I actually held the masculine pole for them to be able to be served. And then I went through another transition, a spiritual transition. And as a result of that, the calling shifted and the new calling that came through was now it's time for you to serve men. And so, you know, I follow the call. I answer the call. And I feel like I do have a unique background and skill set that enables me to be able to speak into and hold space for men who, who have also been, um, here's, here's an interesting thought that's coming through, Tatiana, men who have been masculinized in a toxic way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, for that little lens into, into your journey. I think it's such a, a really beautiful one and it's, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's, it's the foundation for this show of, of really wanting to, to bring about more of that balance and seeing how, you know, your generation did lead that um, sort of emasculinization of, of women and it still continues today. And I, I see it in, in some of my contemporaries and it's something that I've 
that I've had to undo as I've gone into the business world a little bit more. And, um, you know, it's, it's a thing. And I think calling it out and bringing it to consciousness is so important in, in terms of being able to work with it and being able to find, you know, because we all have both of those aspects inside of us, the masculine and the feminine. And how do we, how do we balance those in a healthy way? Um, both as women and as men. And then, you know, if we're in heterosexual partnership as well, um, or not heterosexual partnership, I think there's always that balance of those energies. Um, I know uh, something that you shared with me when we were um, in communication before the show is you and I have both worked with indigenous people. And, and in, in my experience, there's a, there's a real, um, a real focus on, on how those elements really come into a, a dynamic interplay and, and an interweaving and a, and a balancing in a lot of those cultures. Absolutely. And, and what I would want to interject here is that um, even though I would say masculinization of women, I'm going to actually add again the word toxic ma masculinization yeah. because I feel like our culture is heavily polarized in the toxic masculine, not yes, necessarily the sacred masculine. I like, completely agree with you. Um, let's name it. Let's like so let's name it. What so what's the toxic masculine? Well, so the toxic masculine is so far removed from nature, so far removed from spirit, so far removed from um, its own life force that it becomes that the dynamic becomes destructive, self-destructive, uh, completely emotionless, or actually it's not really emotionless. It's the emotions are suppressed and buried so deeply that it becomes um, that they become toxic physically. Uh, men are three times as likely as women to commit suicide. They are more likely to have heart attacks. Uh, you know, there's just so many uh, alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, deep anxiety, drugs, divorce, so many problems. And, and it's been shown that men who are separate from rather than in partnership with are, are significantly more likely to die tragically or from some horrific diseases than men who have found their way into their emotional uh, clarity and their emotional capacity. And I think the biggest, biggest challenge of toxic masculinity is the, is the disconnection from, uh, from life itself, like such that there's no conscience at all about, uh, about actions that are not in service to the preservation of life, that are not stewardship, that are not uh, honoring the, the resources that have been provided and that create all kinds of mental, physical, and emotional dysfunctions. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I was reading Ken Wilber recently, and he used the term fuck it or kill it. Kind of. mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it boils down to. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Feeding, fighting, and fornicating mm -hmm. is what mm -hmm. uh, I, so I was taught in the Peruvian tradition through the Healing the Light Body School by Alberto Vialdo. He's a cultural mm -hmm. anthropologist who's worked with the indigenous medicine people of Peru for 40 plus years. And 
uh, there is a, a part of our uh, development and it's the, I think it's the limbic brain, but you know, I could be incorrect about that. So please don't quote me on that. But I think it's the limbic brain where really all we're focused on is feeding, fighting and fucking. Mm -hmm. And, and when we're in that mode, when, uh, you know, no matter whether it's masculine or feminine, but predominantly the masculine has been, been societally and culturally conditioned to be running in this mode. When we're in this mode, we cannot access our higher uh, levels of consciousness. We cannot access our creative uh, capacity. We are simply running in fight or flight. We're running on adrenaline. Uh, and and it's ultimately destructive to life itself. And so the work is really about decoupling from this dynamic of running in the limbic brain and helping men and women, um, but mostly men is where I'm being called to serve right now, to, uh, to trust that they can safely access and process these suppressed emotions and as a result transcend into a place where they are able to to really access their creative capacity, their God mm -hmm. self mm -hmm. as creators. And, you know, one of the things that really uh, drew me to this was watching my own son go from this incredibly creative, expressive, kind, generous boy. I mean, he was definitely a boy. He was a boy boy. He wasn't a girly boy. He was, but he, he was sensitive and he was kind and he was generous and he was expressive and he made art and, and designed cars. I have drawings from when he was a child where he had these cars that were cars that were running on magnets so that we didn't need to use gas anymore. And there was like, it was running on the magnetic force field of the earth. And he was designing these things as a child. And then he got into, um, into middle school and started to enter into adolescence. And, and there are no good rites of passage in our culture for, uh, for young boys. And one of the first things that happened was he got punched in the gut by a kid on his way home from school for God knows what. And, and I watched him shut down over time from middle school into early high school to the point where he ended up getting involved in drugs and ultimately made multiple suicide attempts and, uh, and was engaged in heroin and all kinds of horrible, horrible things. And I watched this beautiful, sensitive, intelligent, kind, creative, magnificent being transform in, in spite of the fact that he was living in an environment that, um, you know, my intention was to have it be a, a healthy environment uh, to the best of my ability. The, the world itself was teaching him that he needed to be somebody other than who he naturally was. And therefore, he, he took it out on himself. Yeah, I, I um, your story speaks so closely to my heart. My brother was was similar. Um, and the, the drugs eventually took his life. But um yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch. Um, I'm so moved by this conversation. I hate to do this. We have to take a quick break. Um, and when we get back, we're going to dive deeper into this work. I really appreciate your, your passion. I can really feel 
I can feel the drive behind this work in you. I can feel the mission behind it. Um, I would love before we take a quick break, if you could tell everybody how they can find out more about you. Mm. So you can find me at emeraldgreenforest.com. And I have, I do have a gift, Tatiana, for, mm. for the folks who are listening. It's called the Instant Clarity Exercise. It's an eight-minute audio that you can find at emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T. That's so beautiful. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We've been talking with Emerald Green Forest about what men want, purpose, connection, and emotional clarity. More when we get back. I'm really excited to dive in deeper. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. All right, and we're back. Um, so you were talking about your son and about this sort of toxic masculine culture um, and and you watching him just sort of decline, I guess, almost like his, his essence, if you could say it that way, um, dim, his, his light dim. Um, and I can imagine how heart-wrenching that must have been as a mother. And... I just really, really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I would love to hear more about, you know, how men find you and, and what that process is like when you start working with a man who, you know, maybe has been really deeply entrenched in that toxic masculinity. What's, mm. that, what's that undoing process look like? Well, um, my creative source gave me a simple, simple way to, uh, to work with men because one of the things that I, I'm aware of is that not only is clarity divinity, but simplicity is also divinity. So um, how, first of all, let's talk about how men find me. Primarily the men that I'm intent on serving are going to find me by listening. I'm very aware that they're listeners. So they'll find me through podcasts, uh, likely, or radio shows, or or listening. Um, I I see my men in the gym with their earphones in. I see them out, uh, you know, jogging by the river uh, with their earphones in. So my men are finding me by listening. They're, They're searching and they're looking to have some support in this area, and they're listening or they're reading. So my men are probably finding me through the articles I'm writing on LinkedIn. And ultimately, I'll probably also be writing articles for magazines and so forth. So it's very simple how they're going to find me, or they're also going to find me because at some level, they're guided and, and we synchronistically cross paths. And I'm totally great with that as well. Um, Now to talk about how I serve them and where we get started. I've developed a very simple three-step process that I call the man plan. And the the letters M-A-N are uh, the the steps of the man plan. So M stands for movement. One of the things that's really, really important is that we need to re-engage 
the physical body and reconnect with the physical body through movement. And whether that's dance or jogging or walking in the woods or uh, simply moving around in some way so that the energy starts to uh, loosen up and so that the emotions can start to be accessed. So our body is more than 70% water. And you know, as well as I do, what happens when water stagnates, it becomes putrefied. So as soon as we start to move in whatever way possible, uh, we begin to uh, loosen up some of that stagnant energy so that it can start to move and start to flow and start to serve in uh, in the creation of, of what is next for these men. So the A in the man plan is artistic expression. And that doesn't mean that they, they are going to stand in front of an easel and become, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. What it means is uh, I create a space where permission is granted and for them to express themselves in whatever way possible, whether it's uh, through making a poem or, again, using movement, interweaving movement, creating a dance or finger painting with chocolate pudding. It doesn't matter. <laughs> some kind of art, some kind of like just moving it out or in a creative way, moving things out in a creative way. It could be taking and throwing red paint at a canvas until the energy is exhausted that is the impetus for that. So artistic expression, and again, it doesn't mean you're going to become a juried artist. It's just a, a, a tool that I use to support them in starting to move some of these energies so that we can get at the core of who they are and restore the core and, and, and also restore the roar. Because when they were young boys, they roared, they ran around and they, they roared in the jungle of life. And, and for many of these men, their roar has been suppressed as well. Mm -hmm. So, so the work of artistic expression is restoring the roar and, and, and really reaching into their core. And then the N in the man plan is nature. And, and that means spending time in nature, going out in nature. One of the things that we do in our uh, leading like a legend, uh, immersive retreats is we go into nature. We spend time in nature, connecting with nature, gazing, looking at the omens, seeing the signs, smelling the smells of nature. But also nature is about connecting them back to their own true nature, which includes helping them to recognize their own natural rhythms and cycles. Women are more capable of seeing their own natural rhythms and cycles because of our menstrual cycle, but men also have natural rhythms and cycles. And, and part of the work is taking away the mechanism, the, the mechanical uh, kind of overlay that men have been immersed in and helping them to reconnect with their own natural rhythms and cycles. So the man plan is movement, artistic expression, and nature. Mm, that's so beautiful. I, I love it. You know, you spoke earlier about how when you were working with women, you were kind of holding the masculine staff for the women. And it seems like, you know, the role is reversed and you're holding that more feminine staff for the men because all of this you know, this work I, I consider to be more of that, that feminine side. Um, and it's so needed. It's so necessary. I love that you have movement in there. I saw on your 
on your um, sheet that you sent me something about a dance thing that you do with men, which I think is so beautiful because so men, so many men, um, I think dance has been sort of taken away from them on a certain level in that you either have to dance in a way that you're going to like sexually objectify a woman in a club or, or you don't dance. Right. Um, so I love right. that. I love, yeah. I and if we think about the indigenous cultures, dance is a huge, huge part of, uh, of just the culture itself in indigenous cultures. And many men in the, in the native American cultures danced the sun dance. You know, I, I actually have a, do. yeah, they still do. I have a colleague who's, uh, who's now deceased first husband Dance the Sundance for four days in order to bring in their their child and vision questing and and sun dancing and all of these things are are instrumental to health and well being and uh, and interconnection with our natural world and so yeah dancing is is fun too so part of the dance work and the movement work is really reconnecting with that inner boy. And helping him to to unleash his free expression again. Yeah, that's so important. Um, and I, you know, please if if it's if it's too too uh, personal or too in depth, but I, I'm I'm still in this uh, the story of your son, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how he's doing in his journey, and and how your work has affected him, or or if he, you know, where he's at with all of that. So, um, so I'll share with you that what, what happened with my son was he ended up literally doing every single drug you can possibly imagine, mm-hmm. um, multiple suicide attempts. Two years ago, I found him on the bathroom floor after he had taken enough heroin to kill five people. And I picked him up off the bathroom floor as he was lying there um, naked. I, I have no idea why he took all his clothes off, but he was naked on the bathroom floor, completely gray, literally almost dead. And I picked him up and I shook him awake and he started screaming at me and saying, why can't I die? Why can't I die? Why can't I die? And I looked right at him and I said, because you're not done yet. You came for a reason and you're not done yet. And um, after that happened, we went through another probably six month period of ups and downs and ins and outs. And then ultimately uh, in the spring of 2016, he actually overdosed on, if you can believe it, homeopathic nasal spray. And the ingredient in homeopathic nasal spray is adrenalinium. So he was literally spiking this fight or flight adrenaline response to the, to the extreme and enraged uh, for hours at a time for a three-day period and then uh, collapsing. He would collapse into ketosis, which uh, the body basically shut down. And after three days of this, with me trying to figure out what the hell was going on, he ended up locking me in the basement and threatening to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. And I was able to escape and I called the police and he ended up in jail and charged with felony kidnapping. Uh, he plea bargained. We made a plea bargain and he's a year out of that now. Actually, it was this past week, uh, was a year ago. The last time I saw him was in court. 
Uh, from what I understand, he's now employed. He's working, uh, selling cars. He's healthy. I have not seen him since a year ago. And I'm at peace with trusting that he's on his path and on his right journey. And it was a powerful rite of passage for both of us. So for me, it was a rite of passage out of mothering. And for him, it was a, a rite of passage out of, of his child self um, and an invitation for him to start using some of the juicy seeds that were planted in him, which will take it and blossom and bear fruit exactly on time, Tatiana. Yeah. Yeah. One has to, one has to hold the, the faith in that. That's a really um, intense story. Um, what do you see as, you know, other than what you named as the toxic masculine culture, like, because I know that there are other parents out there with, with stories like yours. Um, and I know that there might be some, some mothers listening who are raising little boys and they're, they're afraid of, of that culture sort of infusing into their sons. And, and what, what kind of pearls of wisdom might you have for, for some, some of the listeners out there who may be mothers of, of boys who really want to, do it differently, who want to raise them in a, in a good way. So the first thing I would say is your fear will amplify his actions. Whatever fear you're holding about anything, even the toxic masculine culture, it's your job to transmute your own fear. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is uh, one of the main drivers throughout my entire parenting experience with him, and we had a lot of stuff besides, you know, the adolescence and the drugs and everything. He was born prematurely by emergency. He was sexually assaulted when he was three in daycare. Uh, you know, I ended up divorcing his father. And so that was, an, you know, a wound. And one of the things that I carried for years was guilt over all of it. And even though I was actively transmuting guilt on a, on a regular basis, uh, ultimately at the end of the line, it became clear that my guilt was again amplifying uh, the dynamic between us. So uh, as a mother, just kind of look back at yourself and say, what am I carrying? And what, what is my work to transmute that? So I, uh, you know, letting go of any guilt and trusting that no matter what is unfolding in front of you, as devastating as it might seem, as traumatic and dramatic as it might seem, uh, his path is his path and your path is your path. And he does not belong to you. He belongs to the earth and the sky and himself. And, and that's a, a hard thing to learn as a mother, especially when we've been acculturated to believe as mothers that we are, it's all our fault. Everything's our fault. Right. So I'm going to say, fuck that. Everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. is not our fault. Yeah. We're all just doing the best we can with what we have available. And the third thing that I would say, if I could do anything differently, I would have been braver about extracting him from the culture mm -hmm. uh, and extracting him from the influence of his own father 
I, I would have been braver. I, if there's one, and I'm, I'm going to also do work on myself on this one too, Tatiana, there's one regret. So I, mm-hmm. apparently I'm still carrying a regret mm-hmm. um, that I would have uh, searched for models of masculinity. And there are more now than there ever have been models of masculinity to provide him with that were more uh, honoring of life. So uh, for example, there's a guy who just wrote the book called The Mask of Masculinity. His name is Lewis Howes. And he has a very similar story in terms of the sexual assault when he was a child and so forth. Such a beautiful man. I've met him in person. you know, if he had been available when my son was in his early teens, I would have given him that book. Uh, I have a relationship with Mike Krastowski, who runs the School for Men, another amazing man on purpose. So, so part of my desire now is to elevate and illuminate and amplify the men on purpose that are out there so that we do have a place to point our boys to and ourselves to uh, that says, this is the the more healed and they're every we're all in the process of healing but this is this is step many steps away from the toxic polarity yeah and and much closer to to the unity polarity the unity place yeah yeah and and you know i just want to offer you a reframe to that regret because i think i mean i can't speak for what it is for you but i think oftentimes those that awareness you know what i what i heard you speaking was an awareness of something that you could have done differently and whether or not that's a regret i mean what i see in what you're doing is you're taking that awareness and you are using it to make powerful positive change in the world and you know if that's if that's a regret you know thank you for that regret because <laughs> you're you're doing really beautiful things with it and you're you're helping to create something that you didn't have or that you weren't aware of for your own son, you're helping to create that for the next generation of boys. And, and sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes we don't get to do it for our generation and, and, and for our children and we're doing it for our grandchildren and we're doing it for our great grandchildren. And I think, you know, that's another thing that, that would be behoove us in this culture is, is taking a longer view. I, um, I have had the great good fortune to sit with some some of the Kogi elders in Colombia, and I have a friend also who has sat with them, and he was actually down in Colombia when he was sitting with them, and and one of the elders said to him, you know, they, so they they call our culture little brother mm-hmm. because they see that you know we're really just learning a lot, and um, and one of the things that this elder said to my friend, he said, here's the thing with you guys, <laughs> he said. You think about today, maybe you think about tomorrow, maybe you think about next year, maybe five years from now, 10 if you're lucky at most, right? That's, that's, that's the, the view that your culture is holding. He said, we're thinking 3,000 years into the future. Mm. Yeah. When w- the way that we walk and the way that we live our lives. And my friend shared this with me and I was just like, wow. I mean, yes, that is, that is a very different way of looking <laughs> at things. And so, you know, when, when I hear you just share, like, there's, there's a gift in that. There's something beautiful that's been born in that. And it, it might not be serving the immediate now um, for your son, 
but it's 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 in that longer view it's part of that that longer view that we're all a part of in this in this process you know there's a lot of us waking up there's a lot of us stepping up into our work and um and this is why you know we might not be the ones to see the fruit of it but that doesn't mean that we don't need to do the work exactly well in the peruvian tradition uh where i was trained and through alberto and the uh healing the light body school our vision is to serve the you that you are becoming 10,000 years from now. So if you have, mm -hmm. uh, if you hold the belief in reincarnation, it, you know, when you recognize that we're coming back, <laughs> we're coming back, what's the world we want to come back to 10,000 years from now? Um, and so I, I agree. I, I, my intention is to be in service to the, the becoming you know, what is becoming. And uh, I used the word regret because that was what came to me in that moment. And I, I deeply appreciate the reframe. And, um, and I, I would agree with you, one of the biggest pieces of work that I have been doing for myself over the years since I had my, my spiritual awakening, which started in 2001, is always harvesting what is the gold here what you know what is the gold in finding your son almost dead on the bathroom floor yeah. what is the gold here because otherwise if i choose to um, succumb to the drama and not look for what's the blessing what's the message what's the gift what's the wisdom uh and and how can i serve it further into the world if if i don't do that then I might as well be done. Yep. Thank you for that. I think that is, and, and you're, you're a really shining example of that. And, and as someone who's lived through such a, I mean, any mother who's listening to this can't, is, that's like one of the worst things you can imagine, finding your child dead or almost dead on the bathroom floor. Um, and so to be able to speak from that place, um, and and speak about what's the gold in that. Thank you, because I think we need we need more people who who are willing and courageous enough to to turn those really horrible things around. Because we we it's like we have a choice. We can either go into shutdown and trauma, or we can do something with it. And, and the truth is, Tatiana, if you had tried to have this conversation with me a year ago, I probably wouldn't have been nearly as articulate because. Of it course. does. We have to, the, you know, the final piece I will say is we need to appreciate the time delay to let, let things mulch through and, uh, and, and when the time is right. And for me, it's, you know, I'm a year or so out from it, a year and a half out from it. Uh, I, I've done enough of my own work that I'm capable of, of delivering some fruit fairly uh, quickly, but uh, don't anybody who's listening your timeline is your timeline. It might take 10 years for you to find the fruit. It might take 20 years for you to find the fruit. But what uh, the, the main message here is there's fruit. There's silver, there's gold, there's wisdom. There's something in every experience, no matter how traumatic. Uh, and, and just appreciate the time delay and be gentle and compassionate with yourself in your own process. Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much. This has been such a rich conversation for me. Um, 
and I hope for our listeners too. Again, you can find out more about Emerald's work at emeraldgreenforest.com. And she said she had that free gift for us. If you go to emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift. Um, tell us again what that, what that gift is called. That is called the Instant Clarity Exercise. And it is an eight-minute audio that uh, you can listen to when you're in a sea of confusion and needing to make some decisions so that you can move yourself forward on your on your journey. It's really designed specifically to help uh, cut through that confusion and get to, to get to clarity quickly. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation tremendously. I'm sure it will be of great benefit to many people. And thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Well, thank you for the platform and for the sex, love, and power, superpower uh, audience for listening. I hope I've been of service. And I thank you again for giving me the opportunity, Tatiana. Absolutely. And until next time. Go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.